Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, a podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs to movies that don't have any. I'm Harry and joining me as always is John. Hello. And John, you've brought a guest this week. I have. I've brought my very dear friend, personality artist Sebastian Clark. You are tearing me apart Beyond the Box Set. <laughs> <laughs> and because in the grand tradition of whenever we bring a guest on, we like to have the guest choose the film. So Sebastian has chosen the film. He's just dropped a big hint to what that film was. So why don't you tell us what you've chosen? Uh, it's the 2003, I think, cult classic The Room which is one of the most successful independent films of all time. Um, How successful is it? Well, I mean, we're here now, us three individual (laughs) lives sat here. Honestly, I encouraged both of you to really look online at all the material as well, Mm -hmm. because from the movie, there's been a Kickstarter project. One of the actresses, Robin Paris, started one to make a documentary about the actors. Where are they now? The people who are in the worst movie of all time. (laughs) Um, There's a legal lawsuit. There's a documentary about the creator, Tommy Wiseau. People are actually fighting over who directed it. Wow. (laughs) And I'd never heard of this film before. Yeah, I can't believe it. Oh, the other reason why is that it's very close to my heart. I've seen this movie like 20 plus times. And each time I see it through somebody new's eyes, somebody in my life... And every time I get something out of it, some new little thing, it's like an onion. Like you peel it back and you get something new from it each time. And there's always laughter. Mm-hmm. And recently I must have been having a down period, but I've been watching it on my own a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like it's been like a Thursday night. I'm not doing anything. I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spend the night with Tommy Rizzo and Lisa <laughs> and the whole gang. But thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. I'm a big super fan. Aww. I think you should win an Emmy. A Grammy, <laughs> an Oscar, and a, and a Tony. Well, one day. That's one day. That's the goal, yeah. And a poddy, don't forget a poddy. Oh, is that, is that, is that a thing? Uh, it better be. <laughs> should it be? Okay. Not, it should be. But also, I said to you before, I wanted to apologise, because I know it's a hard slog. Oh, but my friend and I, we actually, we came up with a game mm-hmm. for movies like this. It's called 10%. Right. So my friend Nick knows that I have quite a bad attention span. So he was like, look... We'll work out what 10% of any movie is in terms of running time. And then at every 10% interval, we'll stop the movie and just talk about it. So we'll summarize it and predict. And by doing that, I have seen a whole host <laughs> of crap. Like <laughs> Troll 2. So, you know, Netflix has like movies that you wouldn't believe. And they only actually work with the game 10%. Mm-hmm. So for someone like me, and if, if you have a bad attention span in the room, this is the best way to watch it. But you watched it on your own, is that right? Yeah, we both did. Oh, good yeah. God. yeah i mean i don't know how you felt harry but for me this film made me feel almost motion sick okay i felt genuinely disoriented watching this film is that the camera work or not so much that it was more just the sense that there was literally nothing to hold on to (laughs) (laughs) like we were not in any particular place or time or space it is timeless yeah it is and entire characters and plot lines and even hairstyles would just yeah. <laughs> would just come and go with the breeze. Like there was no, nothing to ground you. You know, I, I needed an anchor in, a, in this film to like feel like, okay. I'm, I'm safe with this, and this is yeah. what I, this is my safe place, and I can cling to this. And there was just there was nothing. And every time the film got to a point where I was feeling kind of comfortable with it, <laughs> yeah. it would do something else. It would go into some <laughs> other bizarre direction, and I would be completely thrown again. You know, I was watching an interview with Seth. Rogan, who's who's a super fan of this movie. Oh, yeah. And he was saying, and I totally agree with him, that the reason it works and it's so watchable, like again and again, is that every 10 minutes, 
they find a new way to do something terrible. Like, you're like, okay, this is awful for that reason. Ten minutes later, you're like, oh my god, there's a whole new layer of awfulness. <laughs> and it keeps doing it to the bitter end. I remember you you texted me, because you saw it before I did. Mm-hmm. I just remember getting a text from you like at like 11 o'clock at night going, what is this film? Like, what even is this? So, what was your experience of watching it? I was very confused, because it started off, and obviously I saw the whole style of it, and I was like, well, where is this going? Is this mm. going to... Is it going to take a turn? Then this is all like in somebody's imagination or something. Yeah. And and nope, no, nope, I'm an hour and a half in, and it's still going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I I hadn't seen it, but I knew what it was. I knew it. You just didn't know I anything. Had no did idea. Yeah. I, I didn't know a thing. I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Like, usually when I've shown it to somebody, I've been there. Uh-huh. So you're kind of guiding them along, walking yeah, yeah, through yeah. the forest. But, okay, wow, you did it. I, was, I wasn't even prepared, like, with a drink or I anything. was going to say, did you have alcohol? No, I didn't. Okay, because there are so many, you know, the, the people have, like, cinema events where mm-hmm. you can actually go and dress up as the characters. <laughs> oh, and God. Wouldn't that be amazing? Like, if you're a super fan, that's the sort of thing you want to do. Uh-huh. Um, but did you? would you say you enjoyed it? Yes. I, I, <laughs> no, the pause. No, <laughs> um, after thinking about it more and hearing John's thoughts on it last night when you were texting me with every little bit of like, who shit, breast cancer. Um, uh, yeah, I certainly am looking forward to watching it again. Because um, I think I'm going to get a lot more out of it, sort of knowing what I'm what I'm getting. And it's like the right. ring, like you pass on the videotape because you're going to show somebody else and then they're going to have a lot of sort of problems with it. Yep. Um, I was thinking about why it is like that I like it so much. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you agree with this, but there's something very sincere about how awful it is. It's <laughs> not like you did one on Super Mario Bros, which I think <clears throat> that movie is just bad because it's just bad. Mm-hmm. Like they tried to make a lot of money out of a franchise. Mm-hmm. Whereas this movie, this started off as an 800 page book mm-hmm. written by Tommy Wiseau. Have you and read he- that book? Uh, no, nobody oh. has. He won't release it. Oh. Yeah, oh. one for the vault. Um, <laughs> he condensed it down into a screenplay, mm-hmm. which then became the script for this. So this is genuinely somebody's heart and soul. Mm-hmm. And because he thinks it's really good, it has a sort of sincerity to it, which mm-hmm. which I think is what I buy into. I did start. There was a point towards the end. I think it was at the very end. Actually, we're skipping around now, but where I did. F- start to find it slightly moving for that very reason <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's like a monumental work of ego yeah but you could really like because <laughs> every time oh that's, that's you put it so well because <laughs> every time johnny is off screen yeah people are talking about johnny yeah like, yeah every other line is like i felt like it should have been like a waiting for godot kind of thing where johnny is never actually on screen it's just everybody's like constantly oh but everybody loves johnny okay can i tell you something Go ahead. okay yesterday in the bath because I've done my preparation, I've seen this movie 20 times, I went on YouTube, I watched a YouTube compilation of the movie, but only from the perspective, the scenes, without Johnny or Lisa. <laughs> it's 13 minutes, and all it's it is is that boy Denny running around being sad <laughs> all the time. So I totally get what you mean. It's a vanity project. It is. But then also... so. To the end uh, when he dies when he kills yes. himself it did hit me not in the sense that it was an, a moving scene mm. in t- traditional sense mm. but because by then I'd got this sense that this is a man who has some problems yes mm. <laughs> but, but I kind of the ending the whole, the whole way it's structured where everyone's talking about how they love Johnny <laughs> and then he dies and then everyone's like oh Johnny's dead we miss him I don't know if you ever did this 
like when you get this kind of self-obsessed teenager and you get did you ever have that thing where you think well maybe if I died and then everyone would know how much they really missed me well yeah. I still am a self-obsessed yeah. teenager so I t- yeah I totally get what you mean oh, you, know, you imagine your own funeral exactly. everyone weeping oh, yeah. I totally imagine yeah. that I th- that is what he's done this is, well, this is that but like a 40 year old Dutch man has done that like the whole film just seems to be this like ode to Johnny mm-hmm. I, I've heard descriptions of him as being almost like an alien an alien's landed on earth and tried to interpret what cinema is but did you I mean there are scenes like the flower shop scene. Mm-hmm. Hi. Can I help you? Yeah, can I have a dozen red roses, please? Oh, hi, Johnny. I didn't know it was you. Here you go. That's me. How much is it? It'll be $18. Here you go. Keep the change. Hi, doggy. You're my favorite customer. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye-bye. Um, <laughs> or the, they're playing American football scene. Or when one of them falls into the bins. <laughs> have no... The, the, the drug scene on the roof. What kind of drugs do you take? It's nothing like that. What the hell is wrong with you? I just needed some money to pay off some stuff. They, they pick up plot lines and they drop it. Did that enhance the experience for you guys? It certainly did for me, because by that point, uh, by, by, by the point of some of those scenes, I'd worked out what it was that I was watching. Okay. And, and so I sort of appreciated each one. of just like, this is, this is so ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, and just my list of things was just getting bigger and bigger. But you can see why every time you watch it, something new hits you in the face. I mean, you're like, oh, that's another thing that he's put in. Maybe it's actually one of the best films because it's so layered. Uh, I want one of my viewings, I decided to sit my immediate family down and said, you have to watch this. So my mum, my dad, and two brothers. And the timings of how long they lasted were really telling for their personalities. Yeah. My older brother left after the third sex scene. <laughs> he was like, I'm out. I just can't with this. My dad left around that sort of time too. I love the second sex scene where it's just got reshots. For the yes. <laughs> I think if you can make it through those first three sex scenes, you're rewarded with some really good comedy acting. Um, but my mum... My mum stayed till the end and I loved, she actually genuinely was watching it like it was a soap opera, was genuinely concerned for Lisa, really loved Johnny till the bitter end. I was like, so did you find that funny? She's like, no, it's really sad. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I think for me, that's an example of the way the film disoriented me because (laughs) the the idea that these these plots were things that there was nothing to hold on to. Like it was like, oh, okay, so so Denny's in love with Lisa and oh, Denny has a drug problem. That's going to crop up again. Yeah. And it's gone. It's like, so, and one thing that so for the first 20 minutes of the movie mm. and I've not gone back yet to check whether this is me mm. so for the first 20 minutes of the movie Lisa is on screen constantly yeah and yet I couldn't remember her name okay <laughs> yeah same <laughs> yeah. and because I was kind of live tweeting it yeah mm-hmm. I was kind of I needed to know her name I got really high anxiety. I was like, have they said her name or is it a deliberate thing where they're not saying her name? I have to be honest with you. I can't imagine an existence now where these names aren't ingrained in my mind. But yeah, maybe. But this is the thing. So then, so for 20 minutes, I was getting really anxious like because I couldn't remember her name and I couldn't figure out whether or not it had been said on screen or not. And then I just got to that comfort zone where I was (laughs) like, okay, clearly it's a... It's a choice. They've yeah. chosen to never say her name. And, mm-hmm. I, and then there's someone just said it casually. And so it's, oh, hi, Lisa. So, oh, okay, it's Lisa. So I guess I just missed it. Yeah. And then they said her name every other word. It yeah. was just constant. Lisa, <laughs> yeah. this, Lisa, that. It was really, I really felt like, is this movie trolling me? And the constant reference to her beauty. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> It wasn't like she was... I mean, the constant, like, but she's beautiful. But she's beautiful. Mm. I mean, she's all right. <laughs> I thought she was amazing. 
Well, okay. Yeah. She, she, she's now my number one. Okay. <laughs> she's on your bedroom walls, whatever. Mm. She's on the roof. <laughs> the advertising for it, when it came out, it was serious. It was, um, the tagline was something about Tennessee Williams. Like it was based around the uh, Tennessee Williams plays. Mm-hmm. But then when the first reaction came through and Tommy, well, he realized that people weren't seeing it as a sort of serious play that he, he had intended. It changed to being a comedy tagline. So this mm-hmm. is the funniest <clears throat> serious movie you'll ever see. And one of the major things in the past decade has been him kind of trying to battle against the naysayers and him being like, no, no, I knew exactly what I was doing. I knew it was meant to be funny. And I know, however, he also has a TV show now mm-hmm. called the neighbors, which basically repeats all the same thing. So either he's definitely telling the truth and yet he just was trying to be funny in that way, or he just has no idea. I can't imagine that he knew. No, I, I think it, ru- it ruins it for me if he does. And also the eyewitness testimony of the people around him. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, I don't think it'd be possible to make something like this and it, for, for it to be a, a joke and it, for, for it not to at some point break the break, you know, like break mm. that fourth wall and get too, yeah. okay, th- th- there would be a moment when you're like, okay, no, he's overplayed his hand, this is a joke. Yeah. So, it, it, and it's so committed to its insanity. Yeah. And the things that go wrong are so egregious and so bizarre, like you said. Well, one of the actors in it, do you, you remember he goes to see a, his friend who's kind of like a therapist who's got glasses? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That actor actually left filming. So in the party scene at the <laughs> end, there's another male friend oh, right. who is meant to be that actor, but they couldn't afford to redo the scenes. <laughs> so that shows you that something was not right on that set. This yeah. wasn't a comedy. <laughs> This was people actually walking out like, I forfeit the money. Yeah, because that's the point where I, te- I think that when Peter Fesswick is where I text you, like, why are there so many characters? I was, yeah. like, I was so confused. Yeah. Speaking of which, I'd like to know around the table, who's your favorite character? Oh, that's a good question. Um, mine's got to be Lisa, just because I was just so taken with her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> her beauty. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh my Didn't God. Think, though, the sudden, I mean, I thought she was really fine at the beginning. Like, maybe he did hit her, but suddenly she becomes this evil character, like, without really much explanation. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's suddenly super evil. Um, okay, who was yours? My favourite was absolutely the mum. Okay, I felt like the yeah. mum was my, Lisa's mum, this is. I yeah. felt like she was my rock in this movie. <laughs> she was by far the best actress or the best actor involved in the process. Like, yeah. She was very much committed to what she was doing. Yeah. I genuinely was concerned about her cancer struggle. <laughs> Yeah. I was very upset when that didn't come off again. I really felt for her when she tells Lisa, you know, very matter-of-factly, that she she definitely has breast cancer. That line, I mean, with all the people I've watched it with, is always the main thing that comes out of it. Because mm-hmm. you just don't expect it. It's just so <laughs> nonchalant. Everything goes wrong at once. Nobody wants to help me. And I'm dying. You're not dying, Mom. I got the results of the test back. I definitely have breast cancer. I mean, we, was, we had a discussion the other week where we said, like, it's very rare when I'm watching, when we're watching comedy films, when you're watching a comedy alone, if you, I don't know if you, you don't laugh to that, laugh yeah. out loud, you just kind of like, you said you breathe heavily for your nose, which is yeah. exactly what you do. But I legit screamed like, when she <laughs> said, oh, I definitely have breast cancer. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 like, screamed. <laughs> Because it's never picked up on again as well. So the joke continues. And Lisa, throughout. her daughter, just doesn't, <laughs> doesn't care. care. Doesn't care. Just doesn't care. Maybe that's the point you realise she's like so selfish. <laughs> yeah, she's a sociopath. <laughs> Lisa is a sociopath. I got the results of the test back. I definitely have breast cancer. 
And I started to actually get quite reflective yeah. about the journey that the actress must have taken. <laughs> <laughs> because... Sorry, getting the giggles. <laughs> Listeners, John is bright red right now. <laughs> oh, I can't really, really. He's got tears coming down his face. <laughs> Thank you, Tommy Rizzo. I really fell for the actress. <laughs> what do you... Because, okay, no, no, I need to compose myself. I really <laughs> fell for the actress. <laughs> oh my God, you're crying. <laughs> do you want a towel, John? <laughs> Just give me a second. Because <laughs> I was thinking that... Are you thinking about her career? <laughs> because everybody else... All the other actors. <laughs> I need to, sorry, I need to breathe. <laughs> All the other actors are like people in their twenties. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you take a part, if you take it, take it. <laughs> is it Schadenfreude that's driving your tears? <laughs> <laughs> Her career ruined forever. I just was thinking, like, if you take away Tommy Wiseau, yeah, if you take away the picture, everybody else involved is like some young struggling yeah. actor in LA, yeah. and you know, a gig's a, you know, a gig's a gig, you know. Yeah. So they get this job. <laughs> it's kind of like. Well, this is a big piece of crap. But <laughs> <laughs> well, this woman was like in her 70s. <laughs> how long has she been acting? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we have to record this. I'm really sorry. But, wow, I really started thinking about, like, is this like the culmination of like a 50 year career? Has she been like doing off Broadway productions of Chekhov? Has she been, like... And then she gets this. And... I just imagined a very long, sad discussion with her agent about this film. <laughs> oh my god! We should tweet this interview to her and like invite her. Yeah, I'm really, uh-huh. I'm really sorry about that, but yeah, it just I've really got obsessed with like what is her story? I yeah. to, like how did she come to be in this film? Yeah, had she been acting for her entire life? Yeah. And how, how, well, how... if you watch the mockumentary, which the actress Robin Paris in the movie managed to raise enough money to do. She is one of the actresses that you find out more about. Oh, good. Well, I'm interested to know. Can you tell us anything? Uh, I actually haven't uh, bought it, (laughs) but I might do. It was a really interesting Kickstarter because people were paying like tens of thousands of dollars to get specific treats, like hang out with three or four of the actresses, it said, but it wouldn't specify which ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it could um, be any one of, like, 30. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. It had a Kickstarter target, and it, it, it went beyond it, which shows, oh, I think, yeah. the strength of it. But, yeah, that actress was one of the six ones. My favourite... Well, I'm not going to say my favourite, but the one that I was most fascinated with, speaking of age, is actually the third oldest one, and the third oldest actor was Denny. The little kid? Yeah. How? He was 30. What? Yeah. Wait a minute, but wasn't Tommy like 40 or something? Yeah, so it goes in order. Oh, yeah, of course. Mum, yeah. Tommy, Denny. Yeah. He at like 12. I know. Which, I mean, I hope he was older because the whole weird type thing where he doesn't get the signal, the classic signals of uh, Lisa and um, what's it, Johnny, he's around them the whole time when they're about to make love mm. and they, they do nothing to get rid of him. They're yeah. just like, well... <laughs> Yeah, Stick around like, if you want. But he yeah. felt like he had major boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> Danny, do you have something else to do? I just like to watch you guys. Oh, Danny, Danny, Danny boy. Um, I guess maybe the... I, I think one of the problems is that I guess he tried to give each of these characters a sort of deeper side story. So Danny has the drugs. The mum has the breast cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And then the couple, the young couple, have sort of nymphomania. <laughs> Who are they? I don't know. Who are don't they? Know. I don't know. <laughs> what, how many people have access to this room, this flat? Exactly. And yet, by doing that, 
he's sort of stretched out and nothing is resolved. <laughs> um, my favorite line is when they're in the coffee shop. Uh-huh. And he Johnny's talking about his banking career and he doesn't want to talk about it. So he's just into So how's your sex life? Just completely randomly. Yeah. Yeah. How was work today? Oh, pretty good. We got a new client and the bank will make a lot of money. What client? I cannot tell you. It's confidential. Oh, come on. Why not? No, I can't. Anyway, how is your sex life? Can't talk about it. That's the only hint I got that Johnny is a banker. Yes. As well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but well, he didn't get his promotion. Yeah. Oh. Also, if he's not a native English speaker, which may- maybe I don't, I don't know. I think he's from Poland originally. Okay. But the dialogue, for example, with the pizza, where he's like, "Do you want to get something to eat?" And she's like, "We should order pizza." And then he goes, "Okay." And then she goes, "We, sh- we I've already ordered a pizza." <laughs> Do you want me to order a pizza? Whatever, I don't care. I already ordered a pizza. <laughs> you think about everything. <laughs> that sort of thing, like, surely in reflection while it's happening, as the actress, wouldn't you be like, this doesn't make any sense, or <laughs> we need to do something about this because mm. this isn't right. Not one of them appears to have been brave enough to do that. I love watching things where actors have just clearly not spoken out. I recently watched the, the last episode of Supergirl, you know, that okay. high-class show. Yeah. And there's a character on it who's talking about how she's been typing like really fast for ages. And you see her on just typing on this keyboard <laughs> and there's no computer in front of her. <laughs> and I was like, surely somebody must have pointed that out. You're just typing on a keyboard with no computer. This makes no sense. <laughs> she sat there crying. Yeah. <laughs> how did it come to this? I really think we need to talk about the music in this film. Okay. Go for it. Well, to me, it was really fascinating how every song, I mean, all of the songs were accompanied sex scenes essentially and they all felt like you know when you go into a supermarket and you hear like an own brand re-recording of a popular chart <laughs> yes. yeah it felt like that it was so because each one you could tell what it was trying to be there was one that was clearly trying to be creeped by TLC <laughs> Or some yeah. sort of, there was one that was trying I will to be, stand. Yeah. It's cool. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. There was one that was clearly trying to be one sweet day by Mariah Carey and Boys to Men. Uh, the some, Rose. Yeah. 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 And then I, think the I listen one, to these songs every day. Yeah. And the other one was like a seal song or something. It was yeah. just like, it's almost like, almost ingenious. Like he's, he's definitely a, chame- a musical chameleon, that's all. <laughs> but yeah, it was very like Rebecca Black almost. Yes, almost. yes. I, I listened to them yesterday on YouTube actually while you were watching it, just to sort of remind myself. And I'll tell you something, you know the thumbs up, thumbs down ratio? Yeah. It's pretty much all 100% for each of those tracks. So <laughs> it's a shame those artists never broke out yeah. as a result of exposure to this movie. Who was singing them? Because it can't have been him. Uh, no, no, it's definitely not him. No. I think even someone as egotistical as him yeah. <laughs> isn't going to be like, yeah, I'm a female woman singing. I don't know. I, don't, I think that's the idea, really. Mm. Nothing to take away from Johnny's story. Yeah. Just background sex music, which mm. is what it was. Mm-hmm. That's the only time there is music, I think. Well, the music at the beginning, there's, there's like a sound bed, which was really... I almost felt medieval. Yeah. I felt like I was going to go on some kind of journey, like some sort of <laughs> ride up on a horse, like, which, yeah, yeah. which was part of the disorienting process yeah. for me. But... 
Very strange. So, just out of interest, out of ten, <laughs> before you tell your own versions, mm-hmm. what would you give it? I kind of feel like it defies a rating system. Right. Okay. It's both a ten and a zero at the same mm, time. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> okay, good. That's exactly how I feel about mm. it. So I'm really glad you agree. Because if you gave it a seven, you're getting to all the politics. Yeah. <laughs> they just de- defies politics. Yeah. But like, you couldn't look at it and say this is a good, well-made film in the traditional sense. But I was like, genuinely gripped. Exactly. And I was genuinely not bored. And I've sat through a lot of films this year where I've been kind of like looking at my watch and being like, well, this is a film. Exactly. You know what? I'm a sucker for trash. Yeah. And, but trash, which is sincere, like things mm-hmm. that have been... De- music as well. It might not be the best produced or the singing might not be great, but if they're trying really hard, then I'm interested. If it's a big blockbuster or like Westlife, I'm not interested. It's just bad. Yeah. They're trying to make money, whatever. But something like this, a project where you're like, you know what? You've poured something into it and it hasn't gone exactly the way you wanted. Or maybe it has. But yeah, it touches my heart. No, I agree because I've no time for films like Sharknado or Snakes on a Plane where they have gone in trying to make a bad yeah, film. And it's yeah. all very wink, wink, nudge, yeah. nudge. And it, that's boring to me because yeah. if you just go in trying to make a bad film, you're going to make a bad film, but it's not going to be particularly entertaining. Whereas this film, as you say, it, it's so so monumentally ego driven, and it <laughs> comes from such a sincere place in this bizarre alien man's heart yeah. that it, it genuinely is gripping. Which is why I was wondering what you guys were going to interpret it as when you did your own, because mm-hmm. I was I was flummoxed. I was like, how do you? How do you better something which is already perfect? Mm-hmm. It can be difficult. But it can be done. But I guess we're about to hear, right? I'm about to let you know, yeah. Okay, so I'll go first. So it might, my, I'm, mine is a remake of the film. And it's called <laughs> The Room with a View. Okay, great. Oh, yeah, Love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so basically, while I was watching this film, I, it kind of really struck me that, although in many ways it's kind of insane, mm. the plot does have a kind of Shakespearean quality to it. You said Hamlet. I did say it's kind of like Hamlet. It's got this kind of, it does have this kind of tragic element to it. And it also reminded me a lot because there were so very many characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that it reminded me of like stuff like Gosford Park. Have you seen Gosford Park? I've heard of it. Gosford Park is the film by Robert Altman that inspired Downton Abbey in many ways. Okay. It's this kind of upstairs dance. It's kind of where you've got lords and ladies and you've got the servants and stuff. But it's, it's one of those films with Robert Altman is a director I really like who does a lot of, a lot of his films he's now dead a lot of his films had a huge cast of characters and it would just jump from one character to another yeah. and you'd really have to pay attention to like how all these characters inter- interconnected and this felt like that for me there were like <laughs> so many characters I was like how do you know you, how do these people know each other and what's the connection and why are they all in this one place so essentially my idea is a retelling of the room mm-hmm. but set in the 17th century like a Jane Austen <laughs> style retelling okay. okay and I want it to be much like Baz Luhrmann's interpretation of Romeo and Juliet mm-hmm. I want it to be the same story. Okay. I want it absolutely to be the same dialogue. <laughs> oh, yes. I don't want to change a word of that dialogue, <laughs> yeah. but I do want them to be in period, full period costume. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. So, obviously, because the story's the same, a lot of my kind of telling of this is going to come down to cast. Yeah. Um, so I've got a list, but I think I might actually tell you this, retell the story and announce the cast. And we can debate, some of these are up for debate. So. Okay. So, obviously, it starts with Lisa, Lady Lisa now. Uh, She is betrothed to the wealthy, universally beloved Johnny. So my thoughts were that Lisa might be, you know, she's the great beauty, something maybe Keira Knightley. Okay, yeah. Or, yeah, someone like that. Someone who's got that kind of, you know... So so again, I'm thinking Pride and Prejudice. And for similar reasons, I'm thinking Johnny should be played by Colin Firth. Yes. Classic noble chair. Yes. And I like the idea of them, especially Colin Firth, because he's he's an Academy Award winning, you know... Is there going to be an accent? Well, I feel like this should be told with a very English accent. Okay. But 
as I say, with the same dialogue. Okay. Not, not, <laughs> a, not a syllable changed. Right, sure. So I, really, I like the idea of Colin Firth and Kira Knightley being very, like, you know... Can you do one of the lines in a really English accent? I don't know. Like, in, in our last episode, I went... I did Missouri, didn't I? Mm-hmm. That one didn't go well, so. What you got this week? You give me a line and I'll try and deliver it as... Um, you are tearing me apart, Lisa. You are tearing me apart, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, um, breast cancer. Um... <laughs> I'm sure I have breast cancer. <laughs> it's, I definitely have breast cancer. I, 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 this isn't going well. Let's move on. <laughs> so, Lisa is betrothed. Lisa, aka Kira Knightley, is mm. betrothed to the wealthy university beloved Johnny, uh, and it's an important match for her. Much, it's very much a pride and prejudice kind of situation where mm. her family is poor, he's rich, mm. and they need the match in order to secure. Well, that's the implication in the movie as well. The mum is pretty keen on her to get married to him. That's what I mean. I did think there was like a very pride and prejudice vibe. Yeah. Going on. I really picked up on that. So yeah, and this is just picking up on that. So she's marrying into this wealthy family to protect her own family's interests. However, despite Johnny's clear perfection, because he, he is <laughs> he is perfect, you know. Uh, I, I did get that hint from the film. Yeah. yeah. She does secretly harbour feelings for his manservant, Mark. <laughs> Manservant, yeah, like, you know, like 17th century. You know. Oh, okay, I immediately, I I mean, I immediately mean, went somewhere dark with that. Okay, <laughs> no, I don't mean, I don't mean his gimp. Yeah. So Mark, obviously, I'm trying thinking who is going to play the, the other love interest. Mm. So I was thinking maybe like an Eddie Redmayne type. Maybe. Oh yeah, yeah, I somebody who's my other thought was uh, a wild card, Keanu Reeves, because I like <laughs> Keanu Reeves delivering a bad English accent. Okay, yeah, that, that's something I've seen before. Have you ever seen uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula? He does a spectacular English accent. I've seen many strange things already. Bloody wolves chasing me through some blue inferno. But if not Eddie Redmayne, someone like that anyway. It has to be someone physically attractive and yeah. a little bit younger than... Actually, Hugh Knight Kennedy is probably older than Colin Firth, isn't he, these days? Yeah, but he looks like 20. He's, so. Yeah, he hasn't aged. Yeah, he can do it. Anyway, so clearly, this being the 17th century, we can't have a bunch of sex scenes because... That's just not how, you know, that these people have to stay pure. You know? Okay, yeah. So instead, I want to see lots of scenes of Johnny kind of romancing Lisa by basically following her around with a lute <laughs> and just kind of singing his self-composed songs to her. <laughs> uh, so just singing lots of love ballads on yeah. a lute, basically. Yeah. So that's how we see, you know, so lovely, lovely Lisa, lovely, lovely Lisa, that kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> so meanwhile, there's also Johnny's page boy. Um, who's the, who's Denny? Denny, this is Denny. Okay. So again, I'm thinking, who can play like this child? You know, this, this indeterminate. It's like a man child, yeah. So I want somebody. I've we do somebody cast in a my lot. head already. You know, don't you? It's, it's the one we cast a lot. Mm-hmm. Elijah Wood. Yeah, we go. <laughs> you know what? That is perfect. That is, that's exactly <laughs> the type of man child. Yeah, yeah. Also, kind of creepy. So yeah. 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 So Denny, the page boy Denny, also harbors feelings for Lisa, mm-hmm. and he often like spies on Lisa and Johnny while they're courting. You know? Yeah. Uh, however, Lisa is not interested, rejects his advances completely. Uh, so anyway, after a certain amount of time, Lady Lisa attempts to confide in her mother. Mm-hmm. Who, Who's the mother played by? I feel it should be played by Dame Maggie Smith. Of course. Ooh, yeah, in perfect. full dowager counters. No, you know mm-hmm. what you were laughing at earlier? Mm-hmm. I think if this was actually going to happen, you should give her her redemption story and let, let her play, play the mum again. Yeah, You make a good point, yeah. <laughs> so let's have the original actress or Maggie. If Maggie Smith is unavailable, the original actress can be the understanding. <laughs> So she. Oh, conf- the bridesmaid? <laughs> so she can. Conf- Don't set me off again. <laughs> I may cry. <laughs> so she confides in her mother that she has this desire to escape her arranged marriage and yeah. to Lord Johnny. But she's called Claudette, is it? Yeah. 
So Claudette refuses to listen to this, though. She insists that the family needs the money to ensure their future. Yeah. Now more than ever, this marriage is important because she just got back from a physician and she definitely has bubonic plague. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so which Lisa, Lady Lisa is oddly unconcerned with, but yeah. nevertheless. Anyway. Typical. <clears throat> typical Lisa. Typical Lisa. I got the results of the test back. I definitely have breast cancer. So Mark is a very loyal man servant. He loves Johnny. He loves Lord Johnny very, very much. Mm. So initially he attempts to reject Lisa's advances. But ultimately, in a moment of weakness, he succumbs. And the two do engage in a lusty affair. Mm-hmm. And so now desperate to get out of this marriage, Lisa starts accusing Johnny of like dishonoring her. Uh, although nobody believes her because Johnny is clearly the closest thing to Jesus walking this earth. So, <laughs> so she's just spinning these lies and nobody believes her. However, her behavior does make Johnny feel quite suspicious. It's like, why has Lisa suddenly turned on me? She's, mm-hmm. you know. So he charges Denny, I lied he would, with following Lisa around and spying on her activities mm. to kind of figure out what, why is she behaving this way? Is she, is she cheating on me or something? However, Denny has his own problems at the moment. He's sure dealing does. with a very serious, severe snuff addiction. So, <laughs> and he's in several shillings of debt to a local man. <laughs> <laughs> How polite would that rooftop scene be? Yeah. You better give it back soon, you brute. Yeah. <laughs> For Sufi, you'll be half a halfpenny. <laughs> So, oh. anyway, so uh, after so, this all comes to a head when Lisa and Claudette come upon Denny being viciously beaten by this moneylender, mm. and they run in and help him, uh, and so they then lecture him on the dangers of moneylending, but ultimately they take pity on him, and then Johnny agrees to pay off his debts, and this particular plot point just kind of doesn't come up again. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of comes and goes, it's like, fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, so Johnny is sharing his concerns about Lisa with another character called Dr. Peter, and I want Dr. Peter to be played by David Cross, the actor who played Tobias Funke in Arrested Development. Okay. I want him to very much be Tobias Funke. Okay. So that's that's kind of what I'm imagining this character mm-hmm. to be. So Lord Peter examines Lisa, and he makes the assessment that she is suffering from a severe case of feminine hysteria, <laughs> and she needs to be locked away in an asylum for her own good. Uh, however, Johnny, is lo- his love for her is too great, and he refuses to accept this, so he doesn't follow the doctor's advice. And instead, they f- decide to throw a massive engagement party. He hopes okay. this will break her out of her funk. So at that engagement party, you know, all the friends and family are there. <laughs> and in the middle of it, Lisa stands up and announces that her mother is in fact a witch. <laughs> now, this is not true. She just said that to make things interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's typical Lisa. Typical though. Lisa. Babe. She doesn't care. Yeah. So poor old Claudette is then burned at the stake. <laughs> What a great final scene. Yeah. So while everyone's distracted. <laughs> while everyone's distracted. Oh, no, not again. Sorry. Is the thought of Claudette burning to death set you off again? Yeah, genuinely has. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. You're such I'm a bad person. I just really care about Claudette. So anyway. It's from a place of love. <laughs> while everyone's distracted, watching Claudette's... Being burned at the stake, basically. Mm-hmm. Lisa takes the opportunity to slip away with Mark and have some make love with him. Okay. While her mother burns. Because <laughs> she's a monster. However, Denny follows them as per Johnny's instruction and immediately tells Johnny. So Johnny then follows them, catches them in the act, mm. immediately challenges Mark to a duel to the death. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Mark and Johnny face off. Uh, and Johnny has the other hand because Johnny's great at everything. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but in a panic, Lisa tells Johnny that she never loved him. She only loved Mark. Uh, so Johnny's horrified, and he announces that all of his friends have betrayed him. Yeah. Somewhat melodramatically, because yeah. only one has really. But <laughs> nevertheless, he falls on his own sword, dies instantly. 
and then ascends into heaven on angel wings. <laughs> <laughs> and Lisa now thinks that she and Mark are free to be together, but Mark is overwhelmed with guilt, and he angrily rejects her, and she is then dragged away to the tower, where she'll spend the rest of her life in stocks, while Denny is left alone on stage, weeping over poor Johnny's corpse. And then the credits roll, and that is the end of um, The Room with a View. That is such a good interpretation. Mm-hmm. I think my favourite bit of that is Denny's shilling bet. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> or the mum with her plague, bubonic plague problem. Who <laughs> then gets burned at the stake. Poor, <clears throat> poor Claudette, she can't catch a brick. You know what, I think you're right to extract the Shakespearean elements to it though, because I think I, I think they're there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really do, yeah. What, you cannot say this man has not read a book. He knows his well, Exactly, references. he knows, yeah. Mm. The I, thing is, I do want to read that 800-page book. I mean, that's like War and Peace. Yeah. War and Peace is a 1,000 pages. Mm. What What are we missing from the... <laughs> Should I do mine now? I believe it's your turn. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I was re- really, really stuck on this because you're asking me to reinterpret something that I think is perfect. Well, you chose the film. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> but I realized yesterday because John was watching it for the first time and live tweeting about it whilst I was also watching the election campaign. So I had this sort of weird like dual reality going on where I was really into Corbyn and May, but I was also really into the room. Mm -hmm. And I was reminded of a tweet that I saw, which really made me laugh, which was a surprise would be if at that uh, one love concert, if Corbyn and May came out to sing, you're the one that I want. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, how great would it be if this movie was Corbin and May as a musical? The same script. Um, but then I realised that wouldn't work. Because that just... That's politics. But just like you, John, I think the script needs to be kept intact. Mm-hmm. And I thought the only way to make it funnier and better is by having the world's top class actors replace this cast. Mm-hmm. So, the first one in my mind was obviously Meryl Streep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meryl Streep has to play Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> Some may say she's too old for the part, but Meryl has range. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I thought, well, I can't really think of any other actors that I think of who are as perfect as Meryl Streep. So, it could be like feeding on his egoism, uh, jo- Johnny's egoism, just having Meryl Streep play all the parts. Um, <laughs> again, I didn't think that would work. Okay. So, I was going to... I thought Anthony Hopkins... Might mm-hmm. do a good job of playing mm-hmm. Johnny. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I thought Julia Roberts as the best friend. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah. she's just quite a best friendly type person. And then I just thought, because the cast wasn't important to me, I just thought anyone that you guys think is a good actor or actress can be slotted in. So who would you say the most well Okay, class- well, who's, who's the young guy again? What's his name? Denny. 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 Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio. Perfect. Yeah. John, your turn. <laughs> All these actors feel like they're a lot older than the roles. Like they can play whatever they, they want. Can, they can, I guess. True. Meryl well, Streep can be Batman. She could be. Yeah, I think she should be. Mm. Is this going to be a straight retelling? Oh, Kate Winslet. As Kate L- Winslet. As Lisa. Well, I'm just thinking of really good actors and actresses. So okay. actually, yeah, throw her in as Lisa. Oh, no. Can we have Meryl Streep as Lisa and Kate Winslet as Lisa's mom? <laughs> <laughs> okay, perfect. Now, the other main passion that I have in terms of cinema, as well as things being really bad that they're good is horror movies mm-hmm. so i'm really inspired by my fourth favorite movie of all time which is called scream and scream is about some teens who get up to the wrong things and start murdering their friends and i thought okay so johnny's lying there dead the perfect sequel would be that of course johnny's not gonna die he's like 
superhero. <laughs> he's perfect, as we've established. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they think he's dead, but obviously a bullet to the brain won't stop our Johnny. <laughs> so this movie starts at the point where then he stops crying, goes home and accepts it. So he gets up, and this is Anthony Hopkins, and he's now really pissed. Like, he's like, <laughs> oh my god, that was the worst birthday party I've ever had. <laughs> and it all led to me killing myself (laughs) so i am done so he goes to his drawer he has to flick through get out all his sex objects because as we learned from the first film that's all he's about Um, i I did want to ask sorry mm. so i'm imagining I'm now imagining the original film as played by these actors. Mm. So, does that mean we have to watch Sir Anthony Hopkins make very slow love to Meryl Streep? No. Street and then have a very tight shot of his arse. Because <laughs> I don't know if I can handle that. Um, no, because it takes place from the point of Johnny's death. Okay, fine, good. Yeah. So, Johnny's like really pissed off and he gets out a giant knife. And in the same way that Scream starts off with. Claudette answers the phone to some terrifying calls. <laughs> so, <laughs> she's in her kitchen, microwaving popcorn. <laughs> and because this is the comedy part, because Johnny's voice is so distinct, <laughs> he, he thinks that he's calling them and they don't know who, who the mystery killer caller is. <laughs> but they know exactly <laughs> who it is. So he's trying to be all like mysterious, like, I'm going to cut you up. And they're like, Johnny, why are you being like that? I, I, don't, I don't understand why you're talking like this. So Claudette ends up, and this will set you off, but Claudette ends up like Drew Barrymore at the end of the first act of Scream, John. (laughs) So she's dead hanging from a tree. Um, Claudette doesn't do well in any of our interpretations so far. I hope she gets an easier ride in yours. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so then Johnny has to have a plan to get the others. Now, there are some unsung characters in this movie we've not talked about. Okay. Because I'll tell you something, the most watched YouTube clip of the room is the flower shop scene. Mm -hmm. And there's a little actress who I don't know the name of, but she is integral to the success of that scene. Hi. Can I help you? Yeah, can I have a dozen red roses, please? Oh, hi, Johnny. I didn't know it was you. Here you go. That's me. How much is it? It'll be $18. Here you go. Keep the change. Hi, doggy. You're my favorite customer. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. The way she doesn't interact with Johnny, the flower shop seller, and yet also interacts with them is amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't know who she is, but I want her on board. <laughs> because at the end of each Scream franchise, uh, it's movie in the franchise, there's always a mysterious second killer you weren't expecting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Somebody who was in the background. So Johnny's going to go to the flower shop, <laughs> which is one of the places that he loves. And he's going to level with her and he's going to say, look... Don't ask me any questions why, but I just want to kill all these people. (laughs) (laughs) Because... That could be a line in the film. (laughs) Because he's her favorite customer, she takes her job so seriously that she thinks he's earned enough sort of reward points in the flower shop game to actually be like, yeah, okay, we'll do this for you. So we've got the pair of them on the loose. The next to go are the sexy teen couple, Mm -hmm. which... Standard classic Hollywood thing. Who were they? I don't know who they were. Um, but again, they're back in the apartment, okay. despite it now being a crime scene. Okay. And like there being like police tape everywhere and Johnny's bodily outlined in chalk. <laughs> that pair have decided to come back and have more intercourse. So they're killed in that scene by a mysterious figure. Again, 
that Johnny's Johnny thinks he's being really, really mysterious. Ooh, who is that killer? Mm-hmm. But his long, very distinct, <laughs> curly, br- uh, long black hair is hanging out the um, killer mask that he's got on. They know fully well who's butchering them as they die. <laughs> so now we're left. Now we're left with the final three main actors: Denny, Lisa, and uh, what's Greg Kosterio's character? Mark. Mark. That's right. Now, I don't want Denny to die in this movie because I think that would be really unfortunate. Denny actually cared. (laughs) So Denny walks in and he sees, because he's come back to hug um, Johnny's dead body again. He just can't get enough of him. He sees that the teens have been murdered Mm. and he sees the flower shop lady and he sees Johnny standing over the body and he's like, what the hell is going on? Now, sort of like, uh, have you heard of a book, book called The Elephant and the Bad Baby? Nope. Well, in that, there's a be- baby, and she's riding an elephant. And along the way, she picks up more and more people. And by the, by the end of the book, it's the elephant, the bad baby, the ice cream man, the baker, the butcher. And they're all running after this thing. Is this book by Margaret Atwood? Uh, no, it's a children's book. Okay. <laughs> um, in the same way, Johnny, as he goes throughout the ki- film Killing, he picks up more and more people who are willing to join him, just because he has that sort of powerful exterior. That magnetism. Exactly. <laughs> So Johnny says again, look, I know this looks bad, but I want you to help me kill Lisa and Mark. And Denny, being Denny, very impressionable, he's like, okay, I'm just glad you're back. (laughs) So this little leads to a final showdown on the roof. Now, for no reason whatsoever, Lisa and Mark also have a drug problem. And so the drug dealer's back. The, the whole, I call them the murder gang, like the anti-Scooby-Doo, aren't they? They're not solving the crime, they're causing it. Um, they arrive on the roof for a big shootout. Everybody dies, except the final three people, Elisa, Denny, and Johnny, standing in a big triangle. They've each got a gun for no reason. Like, the guns haven't even been brought out, but we're just going just gonna to make that plot point. And Johnny says, and this is based on a movie I saw on Netflix that I recently played 10% with. It's called Circle. Okay. Uh, and this movie I would really recommend you watch <laughs> because it's about um, aliens abduct 50 people, all completely different. And they wake up and they're standing in a big circle. Mm-hmm. And every minute a laser kills one of them. And they can't work out why it's happening. And then eventually, after a few deaths, they realize that they're the ones controlling who dies. So they have to decide who dies next and why. And basically, the last three standing are a pregnant woman, a small child, and a really devious man. And the devious man managed... Oh, should I give you this spoiler? Am I going to ruin it? We don't do spoiler alerts on this podcast. Go crazy. Okay. The devious man manages to make the pregnant woman and the ba- uh, the child kill each other. So he survives the whole game. Oh. In the same way, I want Lisa. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's a monster. Emerge, yeah. As the psycho bitch from hell, making Johnny and Denny shoot each other in a shootout. And leaving Lisa as our protagonist for the third spin-off, <laughs> where she starts off, and again, the audience are lured into a false sense of security, maybe having not seen the first two terrible films, that she's some sort of uh, hero, when actually she is the villain. And it ends up with Lisa having her day, which I don't think she's had in any of these <laughs> interpretations. Um, I think you pointed out, did you say she was your favourite character? Mm-hmm. I think that needs to be rewarded in an yeah. interpretation. Uh, as for a name, maybe you can help me out. I... I don't know. I, I wanted to make it like, I know what you did. <laughs> I know what you did in the room or something. <laughs> it, it sounds like one of those movies which would have a title which had no bearing on the actual <laughs> events. 
like a flower too many or something like that. <laughs> or yeah, but it's like flowers for Denny or something. Yeah. It's like, remember Channel 5 movies? Then have titles like One Woman's Courage. Yeah. This one would be like Return to Sender. It's yeah. got nothing to do with <laughs> yeah. what's going on. The Room 2, A Return to Sender. I like that. Perfect. Mm-hmm. I like it. I'm so ready for your interpretation. Oh, no. Oh, I feel like I'm going to let you all down now. You couldn't. This movie's gold. <laughs> <laughs> what, are you saying can't, can't get any worse? Exactly. It can't get any better or worse. We're in like a constant state of flux with this movie. Okay, well, be prepared. Okay. <laughs> um, so, mine's called West Room. Okay. Is so, that like West Wing? West World? There we go. West World. Oh. Okay. <laughs> There's always a crossover. <laughs> Um, West, the West Wing, the room, like Johnny's rise to political power. <laughs> He's president. His machinism leads him to be president. Home Secretary Denny. Yeah. I could definitely see that being a thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, should have done that, man. Oh well. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So uh, we start with uh, a little bit of a, um, a recap of the last film. Maybe we see the last scene um, of where Johnny kills himself, yeah. and then everybody comes up and sees his dead body and they're all crying. <laughs> the story finished like that, and then we have a voice saying, "Freeze!" Everybody freezes. So this is a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Then the camera comes out. We uh, we see that that person who says freeze was Jodie Foster. Oh my god! So you mean they were filming? You see that it was a movie. You see that they were all well. They, they were all actors. They were all robots, essentially. Do you know, do you know what Westworld is? No. Okay. Oh, so do Westworld, I need? Okay. Oh. Okay. So there's a bit of context. Westworld is a. Well, it was a film in the '60s, and, and it's now been remade as a HBO series. Right. Uh, it's nothing. Tandy Newton's in. You know, uh, but it's basically about <laughs> say no more. Oh, no, 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 no. Anyway, excuse uh, me. <laughs> What'd you call me? <laughs> but basically, the idea it's a theme park. It's set in the future in a future world mm. in which there is a theme park populated by robots, and people pay to go to this theme park. Love it. People pay to go to this theme park, and they can kill the robots. They can have sex with the robots. They can do. Anything, they can have adventures with the robots. <laughs> and honestly, they can do anything they want with the robots. And the idea is that the robots gain sentience, basically, and. I think stop there. Okay, cool, because it's going to ruin your story. No, 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 it's just going to ruin Westworld. It's basically robots that are so lifelike they look like people, but yeah. they're used for people's entertainment, basically. Yeah. Oh, Honestly. so you mean you're the room cast are the robots? Mm. Okay, wow. Yeah. I like it. It's great. Yeah, great. Now let me carry on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jodie Foster stands up, turns around, and there's an entire audience there. Yeah. And they've just seen this. She says, it's one of the many stories we have ready. Um, in our room world. Patrons can play as either Lisa or Mark, and couples can even play as both. So people can come in and they can play the part of... They can play the part of Lisa themselves. They can play Mark, even. So good. Can't play Johnny. Johnny is a fixed character. You can't change Johnny. No. Is Johnny a human being? Or is no. Just... no, he's a okay. robot. Okay. That would explain the acting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At that point, everybody applauds. And she carries on and says, with your funding to our uh, R&D department, we can afford to have much more realistic dialogues, <laughs> more human-sounding robots, and spend more time working on Johnny's ass. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone laughs, such as you did. <laughs> uh, we then pick up the next scene. Uh, it's at a fancy party um, with everybody from the audience. They're all potential investors. And so Jodie Foster is trying to win them over so she can get a bit of money and turn us into mm. something a bit bigger and better. One of these investors um, is played by somebody you mentioned earlier, Anthony Hopkins. Oh my god, okay. Who, uh, by the way, is kind of like a mastermind in Westworld. So they're reunited, Foster and Hopkins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For, well, probably not the best reun- <laughs> reunion. Reunion? Reunion, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not very really good with words. Well, you did, I also, I didn't want to, 
Well, I tried to point out, you, you said the word patrons before. I think I'm guessing you mean patrons. Did I say patrons? You meant patrons, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're speaking like Johnny, like he's embodying you. Yeah. <laughs> We're the same person. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so... Uh, Anthony Hopkins asks, how expensive are the robots to fix? And uh, she says, well, with some development, each robot could cost um, as little as one million to build and without any major accidents can last about a decade of normal use. He says, what's normal use? What can they withstand? And she says, they can be used for sex, they can be pushed around a bit, even punched or, you know, small scratches of the skin, but any non-sexual impalement will take them offline. (laughs) Um, So things are, you know, looking looking well for Anthony Hopkins. He's probably going to make this investment. Because he wants to, he wants to build this park, and then everybody goes quiet as a new person walks in. We only see him from behind; we don't see his face. Just a man dressed completely in black. He's got a turtleneck sweater, maybe a little hat on the side. I don't know. Mm. This man is known for being a film director. He's got a lot of influence because he has he has some very outrageous ideas that have been very successful in the past. So everybody respects him. Mm. He wants to make a project happen. He can make it happen. It will happen. So he walks up to Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster and says to Jodie, how much is he offering you? Um, I'll triple it. And so Jodie takes one look at him, blushes with excitement, <laughs> and says, anything for you, Christoph. <laughs> anything for you who? Christoph. Christoph. Christoph, okay. And then a camera shows his face for the first time. It's Ed Harris. Okay. Who was also in Westworld. Okay. And now cut to black, and it says, to be continued. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I apologise for being so short. What? That's a really good premise, though. I, it's an exciting premise that it was all, like, mechanical. It wasn't mm-hmm. real. Mm-hmm. But I think easily you could add to it. Um... Well, that's my thing. So it's, like I say, to be continued. Well, it's my choice next week, isn't it, for for our podcast? Oh, go on. Okay. So I'm doing a two-parter. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and next week I'm doing the Truman Show. Oh. oh. So do we have to? does that mean we have to pitch our sequels... Based on the room as well, though? Uh, well, I do. But we can... Oh, okay, I see. Oh, I like that. I like oh, that a lot. You're throwing a curveball in. Yes, yeah, so... I immediately want to add to your idea and say that what if the robots then got a mind of their own and then started just doing stuff that the original cast would do? Well, who's to say they won't? Mm-hmm. Well, ex- exactly. I've not seen the Truman Show, so I'll watch it to make oh, yeah. to make sure I'm fully on board because I've seen part one. <laughs> <laughs> I like how everybody went down a really different genre. Mm. Mm. You were you were Oscar baity, John. Yes. <laughs> I always like to go for a high class option. I was trashy in the Blockbusters video store, and you're like '80s dystopia almost. Mm. <laughs> yep. Which can I just show you? That shows the power of the room. True. That yes. we were able to like branch out into all these different areas. Mm-hmm. So can I just ask why Jodie Foster? Is it just to reunite Jodie Foster and Auntie Hopkins? Partially. Um, also, I think that she's very good at play- playing professional with a little bit of sinister. Okay, yeah, true. True. I agree. Mm-hmm. If I was invited back, <laughs> hint, hint. which I'm sure I will be, <laughs> <laughs> the next movie that I'd want to do is a movie called Troll 2. Okay. Have you heard of would, Troll would 2? Would I need to have seen Troll 1? No. The thing about Troll 2... Is there no Troll 1? No, there is a Troll 1, and Troll 1 was quite successful, but Troll 2 has nothing to do with Troll 1, but they deliberately called it that to try and capitalise on the success, <laughs> and it caused so many problems. Basically, there are two best worst movies. There's The Room, and there's Troll 2, and both are wildly different, 
but both are equally great in in their parts. And I would really urge you, if you enjoyed The Room, to go and play 10% with Troll 2. Okay. Because that was the first movie I played 10% 2 with, and it was just <laughs> mind-blowing. So many great lines. Mm-hmm. Um, the acting is off the chain. <laughs> the story makes no sense. And yeah, I just want to leave you with that thought, if you enjoyed The Room. Okay. No, I... Well, that was our combined list. Obviously, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, maybe one one day you'll, you can come back and we'll do an episode on it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Oh, it's I been hope a pleasure. You win that Emmy. Yep. No, thank you for having us. Yeah. Uh, thank you for having us. What? Yeah. Thank you for coming. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for showing us the room. Yeah. No, like I say, it's going to be like the ring. You need to show it to somebody else. Keep it up, or mm-hmm. we'll die. Yeah. <laughs> 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 cool. Um, so next week it's going to be the Truman Show. Then yeah, the Truman Show. Yeah. Okay. So if you enjoyed this episode, if you have any ideas how you would like to see a sequel to the Room, then please let us know. You can find us at our website beyondtheboxset.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram at Beyond the Box Set, and. That's it, I think. Yeah, join us next week for the Truman Show. And thank you again for joining us this week. That's yeah, been- thank you so much. You tore me apart beyond the box set. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have breast cancer. <laughs> oh my god, you can't say that! <laughs> no, don't do it again! <laughs> All right, catch you all later, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.